A praying church is a powerful church. And a prayerless church is a powerless church. Welcome to the One Cry Podcast, a nationwide call for spiritual awakening. The goal, accelerating the movement of God through sharing revival truth, stories, and reports. And now, your hosts, Bill Elif and Kyle Reno. Welcome to the One Cry Podcast, and we're so thrilled that you're joining us today. Uh, This podcast exists for really one purpose, and I'm Bill Elif, and this is Kyle Reno co-hosting this. But the purpose of this podcast is just to be one more voice Mm -hmm. to accelerate the cause of revival and spiritual awakening in our nation. Yeah, I feel like it's a needed voice right now. Like, well, Mm -hmm. God, what do you desire to say to us, and how can we so respond to you in that manner to see revival come? Maybe, Bill, you can back us up a little bit and let us know what the One Cry initiative really is and where it began. You know, uh, it's fascinating when you study revival history that God is always previous, right? And so when you look at any of the revival movements across history, look at the 10 years prior to that, and God starts raising up voices. Mm. Uh, He starts reintroducing to the church the understanding of the Holy Spirit's role about repentance and forgiveness, because that's the needed voice in the time. And several years ago, uh, God placed on Byron Paulus's heart to begin uh, a, um, a tool to unite our nation in a cry for revival, a nationwide cry for spiritual awakening. And he called several of us together, and we worked for a long time. And One Cry as an initiative exists kind of like a virtual highway across the country Uh, with easy off-ramps and on-ramps, really to resource the church Mm. and and believers to help them know what revival is, what spiritual awakening is, Mm. and how should we be cooperating with God Mm. to see that happen. And uh, really, when we talk about that, we're talking about what is the subject of today's podcast, and that is... Uh, the role of corporate prayer mm-hmm. in revival and awakening. And uh, Kyle, God has had you in many moments where uh, you've seen the Lord move mm-hmm. in these corporate moments, mm-hmm. going all the way back to your teenage years. Mm-hmm. And so would you just tell us a little bit about that for yeah. a moment? Yeah, I'd love to take a few minutes and really think about the value of corporate prayer as it plays out in a local church. Because the truth is, if we want to see the tide of prayer rise in our nation, it'll play out through God's people expressed in a local church. And I, I believe that prayer matters to God. It sure matters for the church. That the church, I believe, moves forward as it prays. And it matters to a lost and dying world that in their city, there's churches that are praying together, not just praying individually. And so I, I remember when the Lord put something in my spirit a few years ago, that a praying church is a powerful church, and a prayerless church is a powerless church. Now, I have never personally met a pastor or a church uh, that doesn't believe in the power of prayer, at least in principle. But I've walked with a lot of pastors, and I've walked and been around a lot of churches that don't believe in it in principle, Meaning, meaning this that they know they have a great right theology about prayer. And, and you may be here where you know the, the I should value 
but I don't know how it plays out in in every season kind of rhythms in the life of of a pastor or in the life of a church. So I believe most churches desire to have an atmosphere of prayer, but they don't know how it plays out. And so I want to give you maybe some practical help that God's taught us and still teaching us and that we're learning the craft in our own culture here at, at our church that Bill and I serve in. But I believe that one of the most spiritual decisions you can ever make about prayer is you bust out a calendar, <laughs> that you put the calendar in front of you and say, if we're going to be a praying church, where does it play out practically, like in dates and times? If it's a priority to us as a church, it will be a priority in our calendaring. Like, when does the church pray? Here's some practical questions. When does the church pray? Like, where does the church pray? And who is praying in those settings? Let me tell you something that's interesting to me. I think the Lord shows us all those things in Acts 1. We, we love looking at the, uh, the church, the inception of the church, the, the, what happens as the church comes into being there in, in the book of Acts. But I, I found about me, like personally, my life, I, I desire to see Acts-like results in, in the church that God allows me to be a part of, to see in, in the city in which I get to serve. But I don't have Acts-like rhythms. And so I need to make some adjustments for that to be so. So let's learn from them what happens in Acts 1, verses 13 through 14. It says this. You got to remember now, right before, I like reading the Bible with a sense of humor because these are like everyday kind of dudes. Like, I mean, that, you look at the disciples specifically, and there, there's not a lot of showmanship or like professional polish. These are not religious people. So everything they're learning in real time. So they just seen an, a resurrected Jesus ascend right before their own eyes, after teaching them 40 days about the kingdom of God and making them a very specific promise for a helper to wait on that, to wait on the power of God to be displayed in your life in a way that you've not known yet. And so they do. They, I, I give them a lot of credit. They wait. Right before they wait, it's funny to me, by the way, right before they do what I'm going to teach us and hopefully we'll learn to do, they do one of the strangest things. They cast some lots. They Roll the dice for who's going to replace Judas who betrayed Jesus. You're like, man, if that's the way church leadership plays out, then we're in a lot of trouble. But after, I think, which is a sort of strange decision, they make a great decision. Look what it says in verse 13. And when they entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. And then it lists those. Peter and John and James and Andrew, all these we know, right? Philip and Thomas and Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the zealot, Judas the son of James, all these with one accord were what? They were devoting themselves to one thing, prayer. They were strong towards prayer. They gave prayer the highest value and practice in their life, and they wouldn't alone, together with the women and, the, and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his Brothers, so here you have this first church that has no idea what to do next. Honestly, can any other pastor say hallelujah? Like any other follower of Christ ever find yourself, if you're honest, when you're not trying to put on or look like you actually know what to do, that you don't know what to do next? And I'm gonna tell you something that I sense that's really good for us. That in this culture and climate in which we live, no one knows what to do next. 
Like we can't plan our way into the future. We, we, we can't find the right methods or, or polish things up enough to have a church that thrives in the future. We need what the church has always need, needed to pray more. And the decisions that they make here are pretty practical. They knew where they were going to pray, an upper room. They list who's going to pray. These are the leaders of the church and, I think, lovers of Jesus, from his own mom to women that had been set free. So you got these leaders, these men that are going to lead in the establishing of the church, and then you got these that just love Jesus. And what do they do? They found them a place to pray, and they knew who they were praying with. And we know history, and then they had a set time. They're going to pray until God comes. They're going to pray until the Lord moves, which we know is we got this 10-day stretch of time where they're pouring it out over and over and over again. And here's the truth. With all the progress that the church has made in man's eyes, with all the things that we know how to do, we've lost some of those things we should do. We should know where are we praying, who are we praying with, and when are we praying. Let's go to where. Where are the places of prayer in your church like where where are those places where people meet with god now i I didn't grow up in church around the things of god but i was i was very blessed that when i came to faith i was instantly discipled and i met with these couple wild men for the kingdom at shoney's if you remember what a shoney's is and we'd cut our way through the smoke back in the day to back table and they poured the word of god into me and discipled me and and a guy that was a staff member actually at the church that I was saved at, he was a former Coca-Cola like employee that caught on fire for Jesus and was in the middle of going to uh, Bible school. So he, he didn't know a whole lot religiously. He was like me, didn't grow up. He didn't know a lot, of, but he had a deep passion for God. And he said to me one day when I was leaving Shoney's and I, I had an hour break before I went to uh, school. I was in college at that point. He said, do you want to come and pray with me? I said, well, sure. I guess if I'm going all in, this is what we do, right? So we went to a place in the, at the church we served called the Lighthouse. It was a next generation building. And he went in there and he turned some music on. He said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to walk around in this place and I'm going to start praying. You start praying and then we'll get together and pray. And it was one of the first times I experienced something that were a couple people were together at first, that was a little awkward, and I didn't know what to say. I was learning how to pray as I was listening to him pray. But in a few minutes' time, all of a sudden, I knew God is here with us, that he has invaded this place because he has two sons that are praying. And I just want to say this to you all right, as, as a part of a local church, and you need to be. That your church, like the literal tangible, I know the church is more like the people of God is the church, but that place where you gather should be one of the most sacred spots in your city because that's a place where people meet with God. That's a place where, listen, the Celtics used to say it's a thin place. That's a place where there's, there's very few things between heaven and earth because people meet with him there all the time. You should have those places in your, in your home. You should have those places even in your workplace. Get there a little early and you walk around and pray over your place. So that's the when part. But then there's also the who. Like, so who's praying? Well, for sure. And I want to just say this to you heart to heart. If you're a leader in your church, lead by praying. Lead by praying. 
if you're a pastor, hear me. Now, I know it. We're busy, right? Like, but if we're too busy to pray, we're too busy. We're way too busy. Like, give the time. Uh, we, we've been talking about in our staff culture here at the summit, that very thing, how we establish those rhythms of, of prayer specifically, like continually. How do we do that? And, and, and even in our church here, we have people that pray in different ways, different gatherings of people that pray. We have, as a church as a whole, a monthly rhythm that we pray together that's set aside just to get with God in prayer. But we also have men's groups and women's groups and parents that pray in for students together and students that are praying for other students together. And so a lot of those things start happening naturally after you've created an atmosphere of prayer. But some of those things won't happen until you lead to that culture being created, that you help foster atmospheres and times in which you are praying. And then and then just like, hey, when? When do you do it? Who's going to be there? All those things. I, I think you got to, if you just stopped and backed up for a second, what if they wouldn't have done it God's way? We'd be in a lot of trouble, wouldn't we? Because after 10 days of some people meeting somewhere and praying for a specific amount of time, what did God do? He came. <laughs> Pentecost. Like if you just simplified, I know there's a lot of theological fulfillment of prophecy, all this kind of stuff playing out, but if you just simplified it, some people heard what God said went and waited on him in prayer together over an extended amount of time, and then God sent his Spirit in a powerful way. I just want to say something to you. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I believe that God still works in the lives of his people. The question is, will his church position themselves like that first church did? You can. There's nothing keeping us from that but us. So I would just encourage you today, individually and in, in the level of leadership that you have, to lead in your church in such a way that God could come in power again. Right. And and we ought to pray about prayer. We ought to plan for prayer. Yeah. And what's so uh, incredible about what you've just shared is how practical it is. Yeah. Nobody uh, from the smallest church to the largest mega church mm. uh, can't pray, mm. you know. Now, there's some that may not be interested in prayer. Mm. And and there may be some listening who say, well, I want to pray, but my pastor's really not there. Well, start a prayer group. Mm. You can do that. He would love for you to do that mm-hmm. and uh, and pray for its uh, uh, progressing and its prosperity and mm-hmm. that God would use it to, mm-hmm. to uh, bring the Lord's presence in mm-hmm. different aspects of your church. You know, what's exciting, though, is that all across the nation right now, mm-hmm. We are seeing a rising tide right. of corporate prayer. Yeah. Uh, Dave Butts is one of the members of our uh, executive team for One Cry, and he's also the chairman of the National Prayer Committee. So uh, all the uh, all the major prayer ministries come together mm-hmm. and talk about this. And Dave said that he can verify that there's more praying happening right now in America than any time in American wow. history. Now, that's pretty amazing, wow. and I think it's true. I mean, mm-hmm. COVID, uh, we saw it go dormant a little mm-hmm. bit. Uh, we didn't know what was happening, but all kinds of prayer events in the right. last three or four years that have right. been pretty remarkable. 
And God is stirring up in pastors mm -hmm. this desire for corporate prayer. And we have the privilege today to hear from one of these pastors, Nathan Leno. Mm. God's done just the neatest work and a continuing work in his heart mm. and his church. And Byron Paulus caught up with him and interviewed him recently. We want you to watch it for just a second. What a joy to uh, be here in Houston, Northeast Houston, where we have a another report of God stirring and moving. I like to hold sacred that word of revival, but there's a measure of revival that's taking place here. And the pastor here is Nate Lino. And uh, Nate, thank you for taking some time here after your Sunday morning service. And uh, there is a pastor in Austin that told me about what God was doing here and I couldn't wait to hear more and we've connected a little bit on a yes. conference recently but to be able to be here and for you to be a part of this new one cry podcast uh is really a blessing so thank you yeah thank uh, you for the, having me well the greater blessing is what god is doing in mm. this place and uh this podcast series is on corporate prayer i think we talked on the phone or text uh, longing for god to raise yes. up five thousand churches this year who would really uh, resurrect probably prayer meetings that used to exist, but not just prayer meetings, but God meetings yeah. where he shows up. So Nate, I just love all of our viewers and listeners to be able to hear kind of the genesis, uh, maybe some of the conditions that you found yourself, this church in, yeah. uh, maybe what birthed, what is a movement of prayer right here? And tell us a little bit what that looks like. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, I've been looking forward to this. Yeah, uh, yeah so, I mean, I, I would say that this movement of God uh, was born out of a period of brokenness uh, and desperation mm -hmm. in my own personal life, uh, but also out of a sense of brokenness and desperation in the life of our church family. Mm -hmm. uh, so in March of 2020, when COVID hit and our church had to go online only, yeah. Uh, like every church did, I, I was suddenly confronted with all the challenges of leading a church that I couldn't interact with in person. But then in April of 2020, my father-in-law died. Hmm. Uh, it was at the time the closest death to me I had ever experienced. Uh, but simultaneously, his death triggered in my wife's extended family a lot of complications that bled over into our household presented a lot of challenges. Uh, then in May of 2020, the price of oil crashed, which for the Houston economy is disastrous. And I had church leaders suggesting we might need to cut as much as 40% of our church's budget. Then in July of 2020, the national racial divide erupted again in the life of our country. And my congregation started having pastoral expectations of me and making pastoral demands that were very unrealistic. I can't be an expert in, in, in all of these things the Bible's not called me to. Uh, and then in July of 2020, uh, one of our church's church planters got run over and killed by an 18-wheeler at midnight on a Saturday night. My wife and I had to go to their house, wake up his 34-year-old wife, tell her that John had passed away, sit with her through the night, tell their four small children in the morning, tell our congregation, uh, and so now that was the closest death I had ever experienced. And he's a senior leader in our organization. Then I found myself as a senior pastor of two churches so we could replace him. Uh, so in short, 
From March to the end of July, it felt like I was laying on a beach and there was a stormy sea and the waves were just crashing on me and I had no time to recover mm -hmm. between the next wave crash. Mm -hmm. So Byron, to be honest with you, by the end of July, I was broken and finished. Mm -hmm. I'll say it like this. La at the end of last July, for the first time in my life, I understood why people commit suicide. Wow. Yeah. I, I don't remember having any suicidal thoughts, mm -hmm. but I, 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 I understand mm -hmm. how you get in a hole that is black. Mm -hmm. You don't see any hope coming. You don't see any, any change of course coming. Mm -hmm. It's just wave after wave crashing on you. Mm -hmm. But the worst part of all of it, Byron, was I looked at my church in the midst of all of that and mm -hmm. realized it wasn't just me that was broken. Yeah. It was also my church. So at the end wow. of July, we had people coming back and we had money and the lights were on and they still seemed to like Nicole and I post, you know, COVID lockout. They still seemed to like each other as a congregation. But Byron, when we would have our worship mm. services, I could not sense the presence of God. Mm. Wow. And you've heard it said, the mm. church is not the building, it's the people. But I say to you, a church mm. is not the people. The church is the people of God gathered in the manifest presence of God. Amen. And if either are missing, it's broken. The temple lays in ruins. And so I got to the end of July and realized I'm broken. My church is broken. And uh, it, was, it was March to July of 2020 were the worst five months of my life. And I've heard somebody say one time, look, God will send revival either through devastation or desperation. Mm. And then somebody asked me, what are you doing to try to help the churches get to a place of desperation so it doesn't have to be total annihilation and devastation. Right. So God took some of those devastating things, however, in your life and the life of this church and brought that spirit of desperation that you yeah, mentioned. That's right, that's right. So talk to me just a little bit about uh, how did that change? Yeah. What did you do at that point? I mean, I was empty uh, and broken. And at the beginning of August, I just found myself praying this prayer every day. Lord, I need you to rescue me and redeem me. Mm. or and my church mm. or let me come home to heaven today mm. when I go back and I look at my prayer journal mm -hmm. it I was praying it every day mm. Lord rescue me in my church or let me come home today and I meant it yeah. and I prayed that prayer every day throughout last August without sensing God respond at all mm. so I got to the very end of the month I was praying that prayer again and for the first time I felt like God responded and I had this premonition in my heart Go read Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire by Jim Cimbala. And I remember thinking at the time, yeah, Byron, like, yeah. that, that cannot be of God. Yeah. That must be indigestion. Huh. But that's an old book, Dotty Dot. But I went and I ordered it. I sat down. I read it in one sitting. And it just gripped my heart. The story of a pastor at a broken yeah. church and didn't know what to do. And they just yeah. started praying. Hmm. So, I mean, long story short, yeah. I got up the next Sunday, the last Sunday in August. And I just poured out my heart to my church and basically told them what I just told you. Wow. Things are broken, we're dead, and we need a miracle. Mm. And so what I asked them to do is set aside every Tuesday from uh, September 1 to December of last year for four months. Every Tuesday, I want everyone in the church to pray and fast. Mm. And all who can to meet us on Tuesday nights in our worship center for a prayer service. And I told mm. the church for four months, we're going to fast and pray and ask God for one thing. Mm. Uh, we want a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. We want more of the presence of God. And I told them, we're not going to ask him for his stuff. We don't want more money, more people. We're not going to ask for anything but him and as much of him as he's willing to give us. And that's what started the whole movement. 
Wow, I, I want to come back in the next podcast here, and we're going to have a second segment of this. So, uh, for those of you that are listening and viewing, and uh, uh, but even before, uh, maybe we jump there in the in the next podcast in a few weeks here. Um, I was just thinking as, as you were sharing that, and uh, wow, the Brooklyn Tabernacle and the impact that's had upon so many churches, and. Um, when you called for a Tuesday fasting and prayer, did you really think people would? And when you began your Tuesday night prayer meeting, did you really think people would come out? Where, where was the apprehension perhaps or fear? Um, I mean, I love the transparency because there's never a revival without authenticity. Mm -hmm. uh, God wants us to be at a point of need and to express that need. But there had to be some sense in which Am I crazy? I mean, prayer meetings are oh, really popular. No, I was scared. No one was going to come. Yeah. That first Tuesday night, mm -hmm. I told some of my staff, if 30 people come, if 40 people come, how many do y'all think are going to come? I mean, that's how low the bar was in my yeah. mind. I was terrified that this was not going to work at all and they would not respond. Wow. Um, but uh, that's not what happened. Uh, far more people showed up even that first Tuesday than we expected. Uh, but nowhere near enough. I think we had 8% of our church there that first Tuesday. But yeah. I, I felt like 92% of the church didn't get it yet. That's yeah. how I took yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So the next Sunday I got up and did it again in front of the church. Look, we need a miracle. I need you to hear me and I need oh. you to come. And I was oh. just so desperate. Hmm. And so that desperation kind of became contagious. Yeah. And it sure. kind of took off. And so the second Tuesday night, we had 16% of our congregation there. The first Tuesday night, I think 23%. And then from yeah. there on, for the whole rest of the four months, we averaged between 45 and 65% of our church in here, wow, in this room, praying yeah. every Tuesday night. Wow. I think it was Leonard Ravenhill. And let's, let's close this one, Bill and Kyle. So grateful for your patience here. It took a little longer maybe, but Leonard Ravenhill said one time, if we're willing to live without revival, we will. Mm. So basically what you're saying is you came to the place where you said, I'm not willing to even live, pastor a church, go on really apart from God's divine intervention. That's right. So, uh, wow, Kyle, we're, I mean, wow, Kyle and Bill, I'm giving it back to you guys, but Nate, thanks so much. And I, I look forward to picking up the next time. Yeah. God bless. Man, Lord, let that happen everywhere. Amen. In every church, in every area, in every city in America. Amen. And you know, one of the initiatives for One Cry this year is we're praying for 5,000 churches. I think that's a small limit, honestly, but for 5,000 churches just to restore the corporate prayer gathering. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, the history of that, our, often we talk about the Wednesday night prayer meetings came out of one of the world wars mm -hmm. uh, where the church was praying during that war mm -hmm. and they just continued afterwards. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's, uh, it, it lost its fire somewhere mm -hmm. along the way. Mm -hmm. And then we just laid it aside. Mm -hmm. But we need, as you mentioned to us, Kyle, we mm -hmm. need a plan to pray, right. where we're going to pray, who's going to pray. Yeah. And we need to pray about that. Yeah. Pastors and their leaders need to get together and sit down and think through mm. how can we uh, bring that back. Mm. And I know, uh, Kyle, you just recently here at the summit have challenged our staff yeah. about spending time every day in prayer. Would you tell us about that for yeah. just a minute? Yeah, I mean, for our pastors. I mean, so here we are, pastors that are busy, and we got a lot going on, responsibilities. 
But we conviction and COVID honestly helped force us here because mm-hmm. like, what things can we still do well? And mm-hmm. one thing we can do and we should be doing is pray well, you know, mm-hmm. pray with intentionality. So we have a spiritual rhythm for our staff that, that we encourage every one of our staff members to pray one hour of every work day. Mm-hmm. And that we say that is a priority and it is a part of your you doing your work here. Right. So show up and pray. I'm not talking about your devotion time. Yeah. I have that as well. But when you get here to pray on behalf of the church and pray for people. And when you proposed that, I thought, wow, that's yeah. that's a big ask. And and you had to teach us. Yeah. We had to learn together how right. to how to spend an hour in right. prayer. And uh, but it is changing yeah. the whole culture mm-hmm. of our staff, mm-hmm. and those kinds of things. Uh, it's like gasoline to a fire. Mm-hmm. And if we want a praying church, right. we've got to have a praying staff. Mm-hmm. If we want a praying leadership team, right. we've got to have a praying pastor. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I would encourage you wherever you are on that journey, yeah. start now. Just start now. You don't you don't want revival to come and the Lord pass Man. you by. And so we as always we we want to pray about those kinds mm-hmm. of things and and Kyle let's take a minute and join together you join Please, in with no. us as we pray. Let's pray for this rising tide of corporate prayer. Yeah. Why don't you lead us as yeah. we begin? Yeah, Lord teach us to pray. Mm-hmm. Lord teach us what it looks like to have places. I pray for every person on this podcast, mm-hmm. to have those places where they meet with you, Lord, in prayer. That's right. That are special, holy, set-apart places, Lord, that they they would have outside of that personally, Lord, they would have times and places that they pray with other people. Mm-hmm. God, that they would seek the face of God with the family of God, that they would cry out over and over again, Lord, that, that those voices would magnify and, or, and a holy roar would mm-hmm. happen in areas all over, Lord, regions all over mm-hmm. the U.S. And I think you're God, doing that right. already, yes. God, but we ask for more. Yes, God, Lord. for more people mm-hmm. praying with passion, mm-hmm. Lord Jesus. And, and Lord, teach us when to, like the mm-hmm. rhythms of that, Lord, that we would pray better. God, mm-hmm. so just help us to, Lord. And I, I thank you that on the other side of some discipline to do that, some diligence, Lord, that you promise that you'll do what you do, mm-hmm. that you will meet us. Yes. Lord, so God. please do that. Yeah. And Lord, help us not to be discouraged. We know we right. have times of personal prayer where uh, we feel it seems like you're a million miles away. Mm-hmm. Uh, help us to know, to learn how to overcome that. Lord, teach us how to pray the Scripture. Mm-hmm. Lord, how to pray the Bible. Everything in your Word is meant to be prayed. Mm-hmm. And uh, I pray that we would just come out of our scripture reading and walk through that passage and mm. and pray it into our life, pray it for our children, pray mm. it for our church. And, and uh, Father, in corporate prayer meetings, all of us have been in boring prayer meetings. Yeah. And I just pray that your spirit would help us, Lord. Please, Lord. Teach us how to do that, how to lead prayer, mm. Lord in a good way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Lord, beyond all that, uh, beyond our human uh, desire to see that happen, Lord, we just ask that you would lay a spirit of prayer across our nation. Yeah. 
Lord, that your Holy Spirit would just call us to yourself, Lord, just like a good friend Mm. that says, hey, I want to have a conversation Mm -hmm. with you, and that good friend initiates that conversation. Mm -hmm. So, Lord, just initiate this all across the nation so that we would unite and you would hear ascending to your throne this beautiful Mm. incense of prayer Mm. that would be well-pleasing to you and that you would hear and answer as you always faithfully do. And Lord, uh, we just want to stop right now and tell mm. you, we love you. Mm-hmm. Lord, we don't love you like we should, mm. but we're just so grateful that you allow us this privilege of prayer. And we're, we're so sorry that we have, uh, Lord, not availed ourselves of that more. Mm. At times that you have wanted to communicate with us and And we've just been thinking something else was more important. Mm. So, Lord, teach us to pray, and we'll give you glory for what you've done in us. In Jesus' name, we ask it. Amen. 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 You know, uh, I'm so excited about this because we've heard today real practical Mm. uh, teaching on how to do corporate prayer Mm. and then a real vibrant uh, illustration, yeah, and I think we're going to see more and more of that mm-hmm. in the days ahead, and we hope that's in your life, in your home, and in your church. Mm-hmm. Uh, encourage your pastor uh, to listen to this podcast. He can find that uh, on YouTube, or he can find it on uh, onecry.com. We want to encourage you, if you're watching by YouTube, to like or comment or subscribe Uh, And some of you may be just listening to an audio podcast. You can subscribe there on um, iTunes or any platform that you use. And we come out with new podcasts every Tuesday. So don't miss a one. Uh, And we really want to encourage you to go to onecry.com. You're going to find just a multitude of things there that will help you in your journey to personal revival. Our featured resource uh, this week is a book uh, we wrote called Simply Prayer. And that book will tell you why we should pray, how to pray, and Mm -hmm. very practical. Uh, Anybody can understand this book. Mm -hmm. And it also will talk, it talks about corporate prayer and how we enter into corporate prayer. So we hope you'll get that. And it'll be a help to you. Maybe you buy a copy for you and a copy for your pastor, Mm -hmm. uh, which would be awesome. And we're looking forward to seeing you next time on the One Cry Podcast.